again, you don't want to kick off with a bluesy feeling. Why not? Bam. Kick right to the groin. Yeah. Is my <laughs> definitely like like if, if those two were under the radar, this yeah. is this is like, you know, profoundly depths <laughs> of the ocean. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again. Is that, is that no, yeah, that's a Sky Sports rivalry. Yeah. It? <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. Uh, I need to get comfortable. Uh, do you know what? I think it's the first time I felt nervous. How's my pillow? Pump the pillows. Got to look my best for getting 100% on the quiz. Oh, we just rolled over and got our bellies tickled. I really enjoyed you saying that outside choice was Lukaku, which is just a really polite way of saying you're very wrong. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. There it is. You like Traore. <laughs> <laughs> just not the end product. Okay, that's fine. I'll take that though. That's still a win in my books. Hello and welcome to the Knee Jerks, the FBL show that fills your ears with piping hot stats and gets your knees ready to jerk with me, Tom, and Mr. Robbie Scott. So, how are you doing this week, Robbie? Uh, not well, Tom. Not well. <laughs> For anyone who listened to last week's, but that was my peak. If if I was to pass tomorrow, God rest my soul, remember me with that podcast and not this one because. It's a sad time in the Scott household. You know when you log into FPL and skip straight past points and go straight on to pick team? Because I'm ready for next week, because I just want to forget about this one. It was hard to take, I got less than average. Although not diabolical, I dropped at least 100,000 places. Yeah, so I guess you had like almost an Icarus moment with your wild card. <laughs> where you flew, especially when we were like really like uh, relishing how well you'd done last week, and now you've—it's just come like, crashing down in the opposite. Yeah. But but honest, honestly, it really goes to show how important captain pick is. Because if I had picked Salah as my captain, played it safe. And there was no reason to go for a differential this week. And the fact I went for Lukaku, but I did anyway, I would have been fine. I would have been absolutely fine. Do you think there's something to be said for like negative consequence of success in as much as... I don't know if you thought about going for a differential because you'd done well. And the reason I'm saying this is because I think, because I'd been doing well, the minus four that I took to take out Tony, who ended up getting a goal and assist, 12 points and Luke Shaw for Semedo, who got one point, and Bamford, who got a lucky assist to get him five points. So that was a terrible move, really. But I was convinced in my own abilities because I've been doing well so far. And I do wonder whether sometimes like success can lead to these hasty it's, decisions. It's, and, it's hu- yeah. hubris. Is hubris the word? Yeah, hubris is and, that word, yeah. And you just, every single week for the past five five years, I've been playing this game chasing points... And I stupidly thought the points were chasing me. I was convinced this is it. I finally, I figured out FPL and bam, kick right to the groin yeah. to be like, nah, we know, we, <laughs> we know who you are. You don't own us. Yeah, just, yeah. As, just as you think you've got everything sorted, your knee jerks and everything falls apart. And go. that takes us into the knee jerk of this week, which we want to have a quick chat on before we get into the usual uh, roundup. So the top transfers in this week are all players we've discussed in depth previously, like, and I think we'll return to them all later as well. So players like Antonio, Ronaldo, Saint Maximan, and Saar, who some of which we talked about last week, and we've talked about them quite a lot. And they're all the top transfers in this week. I think quick note on Antonio being what one of the highest transferred out last week, and now the highest yeah. transfer back in this week. Yeah, Talk, that's, that's the knee, that's the epitome of a knee jerk, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect knee jerk story in a way. But because we talked about him last week, and I think we will return to him later because I want to throw him into the captaincy discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Robbie, you've picked out another player for this week's knee jerk. 
Uh, so who's that? So I thought we could f- throw Alonso into the mix. I was watching the uh, Chelsea game last night. I was really taken aback by how far forward he plays. It was insane. At times he was a second striker. Yeah. He has a cracking run of fixtures coming up after the next game. He's on a few free kicks, but a lot of corners. And he is, as we saw, racking up a lot of points. He was unlucky not to get a couple of goals, actually, in the end. What I, do think, you think? I think he's already the highest-scoring defender in the game. Right, OK. Because they get clean sheets, like, so easily as well. And like you say, he plays so far forward, he's, like, almost a second striker. I mean, he's always been like that as well. I think in that in that year where Conte won the league yeah. with Chelsea, yeah, yeah. and Alonso was pretty much a midfielder classified as a defender then, uh, or even a forward classified as a defender... Yeah. He was at least seven. Yeah, he was. Was six, he seven point five? He was six point five, and then he rose up. Yeah, for the following season, I think. Yeah, so I mean, he's got that pedigree of, of really nailing that, you know, perfect combination of clean sheets and attacking returns that you want from a defender, and he's just a specialist in that position, isn't he? So mm-hmm. if you know Tuchel continues to play with marauding wing backs, he's kind of the perfect fit for that. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the right side is a lot is very much up in the air. The centre of the park, they're playing three at the back, which even that has some rotation. The caveats for Alonso, I guess, is Chilwell. And I think we spoke about him at the start of the season. Yeah, He's sort of just lingering, isn't he? I, I'm just waiting for the week that he starts, but doesn't even seem to get a look in. I'm sure, really start, yeah, I'm sure he'll start midweek. Yeah, so that could be his audition, maybe. Uh, and with Chelsea, you know, they're going to start to have a run of games um, in the Champions League and... I think we'll probably see some rotation then, but I do wonder whether, you know, if he's... There isn't really a, a footballing reason for Tuchel to drop Alonso. That's it, yeah. Uh, when he's playing so well. But then we've seen with Tuchel, like Pep, he doesn't really need that reason to just shake things up. And, you know, you could say that's what keeps a lot of the players on the toes, is the, the idea that they're not secure in the place and so they have to turn up each week. But yeah, I mean, Chilwell just seems like too good a player to stay on the bench for the entire season and be just second fiddle for the season. Absolutely, but we've said it before, haven't we, I think. I think we're just... It's, <laughs> it's, so impo- it's impossible to second-guess these managers. I don't know. We've got, we've got City up next as well. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the main reason why he probably isn't like the top talking point for everyone this week because it's probably a week too soon to bring him in although you know when we get to talking about captains later there aren't any stats to support Chelsea you know running away with the game against City Um, you know City have got really tight defence on paper but it looks like uh, Stones and Laporte are still going to be injured Ake has just played really poorly every time he's played so far this season. And you can just imagine Lukaku bullying him. So if you wanted to get ahead of the curve, bringing in Alonso, I can definitely see, you know, a, a side like City who, you know, struggled against Southampton because they haven't really got that out-and-out goal scorer in the yeah. side. It wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea won that 1-0 like they have done every other yeah. time they've played City <laughs> on the goal. Not at all as well. And I think he's already at 57 which is still really cheap, like you were saying earlier, previous seasons he's been far more expensive. 
But for myself, it's getting quite difficult now in defence. I've got Shaw, who's my most expensive defender, apart from Trent. Mm. So I've really got to make movements elsewhere to get in Alonso. Yeah. But that run, Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley. That's, I mean, it's Captain Lukaku all the time, (laughs) but... We've got to be looking for more Chelsea players, surely. Yeah, even a case for a double-up, maybe, with someone like Rudiger. Um, So, even considering the City game this week, getting Alonso in on a knee-jerk after an amazing display against Spurs, is it a knee-jerk or a shrewd move? It's got to be a shrewd move. I'm not sure if it's chasing points. It, It might well be. But, like you say, he's playing too good at the moment to be dropped. Yeah, I imagine on the side of shrewd move as well. The only thing that would worry me is that I felt super confident about players like Torres because he played and started every single game for City up until this weekend and then was just dropped. Mm-hmm. So we have seen you know, this moment where you think that someone is playing really well and is completely nailed in one of these teams uh, and then just inexplicably they get dropped. So there's all, like you say, there's always that lingering in the mind. But I think you know, if you were going to get him in this week, you can probably expect some returns against City and then like you say the fixture list after that is amazing yeah so what else we've got coming up well I'm going to go back to you in a moment for your review of the last week on the eye test and then I'll put forward a few players that I've seen popping up on the stats tables the shopping list I think is pretty straightforward this week there's quite a few who are basically if you haven't got them now's the time to get them I think there are some players who are just we've already mentioned as as bandwagons and I think it's just time to get on them. Then we'll look at the captaincy which is a bit trickier than usual I think this week and as I said earlier I think there's a case for Antonio. Then we'll review the knee jerks league and obviously (laughs) I would encourage anyone who's listening to join if you haven't already. The code is VVYX2S VVYX2S it's quite catchy isn't it we can make a jingle out of that (laughs) and then we'll finish off with the quiz yes here we go redemption that's why everyone's here (laughs) vindication for cracking week last week (laughs) so who's been looking good for you this past week just gone well let's stay on the Chelsea uh, the, the sort of what would you call it love in Chelsea loving. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh God, yeah, it was a bit dirty. Yeah. Let's stay on the Chelsea loving for now. Oh. And you mentioned Rudiger before. I'm going to mention him again. 5.5, nailed as can be uh, in a Chelsea side. And Tuchel really seems to like him. He's always picking him up in his press conferences. Um, but you did touch on a very big point, which is rotation is absolutely at the heart of Tuchel's philosophy. And I don't think anyone's immune from it. And someone who's played every game so far, such as Rudiger, might have their time to sit on the bench coming up. However, uh, he looked class. He he got a lot of points last week, 14. Still only 5.5. And he seems about as nailed as can be in that Chelsea side. You know, I, I think it's going to be a reluctant sit on the bench for him if he ever is, rather than Tuchel just putting his feet up for the, for the time being. Yeah, well, I think I agree. If he gets benched, it'll be more to do with him being rested. Yeah. Because he seems just like the linchpin now. I mean, like Thiago Silva's obviously a kind of more senior player who I think Tuchel trusts a lot, but Rudiger just seems to be like the Diaz or the Van Dijk of Chelsea, which is crazy, really, considering he was a bit of a bit-part player the last few years at Chelsea. But it just, just watching him, like the aggression he's got at the moment, like yeah. the... the 
the way he was bombing forward at one point on on this on this barnstorming run, like he just looks like a player transformed. So um, yeah, I can't see him being like losing his place. Mm. So you might get the, the the occasional frustrating rest, um, yeah. but even then, that's not going to be regular. I don't think so. Yeah, he looks he's a great pick. I think. I think that's a great way of looking at it. It's rest, not rotation. Yeah. Which maybe maybe that's not the correct word, but you know, it's 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 needs must rather than just too sure having having a, having fun. Yeah, which means it'll probably be games like this midweek League Cup that he'll get rested for, which yeah. is good for us fantasy managers. Absolutely. And before we hang up our Chelsea boots, um, shout out to Lukaku, who obviously I did captain this week but he was very unlucky not to get any points uh, potential like you just said to get return versus City but that run afterwards we really need to keep hold of him he he honestly looked really good moving on to Villa Liam, Leon Bailey oh yeah bit of a new entrant to, to the Premier League but also to us potentially a bit expensive at 6.4 but if he nails his spot in the Villa side you know Villa haven't looked very creative I guess they've been there's been a severe lack of goals there, but there's, there's also been a severe lack of chances, I'd say, from from what I can see at least. He got nine points in 20 minutes coming on as a sub. <laughs> yeah. I think the game suited him. I think, he, you know, he's a pacey winger. He was hitting teams on the break. I, I just couldn't not bring him up. That sort of... <laughs> that point-per-minute ratio must be insane for him uh, in the last game. But, yeah, he was causing causing all sorts of problems, I thought, at the weekend. Did you see much of him play? Yeah, so he was on set pieces for, for, for some of the game because it was his corner, I think, that just swung all the way in. Mm. I think that's right. And then the way he took that final goal where it was Ings, I think, who, like, just sprayed this massive, like, through ball over the top uh, to set Bailey away. And the way he took it was like... Remember Antonio's goal a couple of weeks ago where he just kind of thwacked it with his yeah. left foot? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no messing around. Just, yeah. just really, like, sweetly hit on a half volley and there's just no chance for a keeper. <laughs> I mean, you can only do that if you're full of confidence. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, if he's if he is full of confidence and, and you know, looking like a threat, I don't see why he couldn't nail down a spot in that Villa side. And, yeah, he looks very exciting to watch and could be a, a great pick. Bit, bit, yeah, bit of a differential, but someone that makes Villa games a bit more exciting, I'd say, for both for both Villa fans and us FPL managers. So my final pick was a bit of a bit of an odd choice, which was Cucurella at Brighton. So he's, he's <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, so he's Brighton's new left back. They've signed him from Getafe, oh, um, yeah. but he he did used to be at Barcelona. Now I've pulled a bit of a pulled a bit of a Tom here, and when I was watching the highlights, I thought. He didn't look great because he was definitely at fault for um, the Leicester goal. However, he had the highest pass accuracy of all of the Brighton players, part of a reasonably strong defence in Brighton itself. Over 50% of their attacks in their last game actually came from his side, I believe. And so at 5.0, I think he could be a bit of a bargain, just just to keep an eye on. Yeah, he could could really set them alight and if Brighton are going to continue I mean they're third at the moment right yeah. they're third which yeah, is just crazy. mad yeah. but if, if their defence stays as strong as it is and you've got someone who's nailed in that side with attacking returns he could be a bit of a bargain I'd say yeah definitely I mean we were talking at the beginning of the season about Brighton as being one of these 
mid-table sides that have a really solid defence and yeah. like the expected goals conceded is always super low because they hug the ball so well and teams don't really get many chances to score against them so they are a solid defence so you would expect like a decent number of clean sheets and you know that's one of the reasons why everyone went for Sanchez in goal but mm. unlike Sanchez who's kind of sealing his six points because they don't really like get exposed to many shots he doesn't make many saves etc whereas someone who's playing wing back you know wing backs are traditionally the bonus point magnets because they get so many crosses in and if they do get a clean sheet you know they've they've made more passes they've been involved in the game far more than the center backs have so they usually mop up all the bonus points so yeah he could be a really good pick we will see maybe one for the future i mean it's weird because brighton have got palace this week which on paper you'd think was a good fixture for them, especially given Brighton's form, but it's a derby, isn't it? It's a strange derby. <laughs> See um, those egos. Yeah, yeah. It, but it's a really feisty game that always ends up with a really unpredictable outcome. But at least it's an, a natural rivalry. I hate the manufactured ones, like Liverpool City. It's not <laughs> yeah. really a rivalry, is it? No, yeah, that's a Sky Sports rivalry, yeah. isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way of saying it. So move on to the under-the-radar stats. Please do. The first two choices sound very over the radar okay. <laughs> um, compared to Cucurella. So my first one is far better known it's Cancelo for uh, City and I do think he is going under the radar though considering he's played every minute in the league for City so far and this is a defence that have kept four clean sheets in five games conceding only two big chances throughout that time which is like out of five games they've only conceded two two chances that uh, another side's expected to score that's the lowest in the league. The second lowest is Liverpool, who've conceded four big chances. And just to give a bit of like context, Chelsea have conceded seven, and United have conceded nine. Wow, okay. So City are really tight at the moment at the back. Um, he's also creating a lot of chances, so he got an assist and three bonus points against Leicester the week before last, uh, and then followed it up with a goal against Leipzig in midweek, where he was typically you know bombing forward at every opportunity. You know, he's been getting into boxing quite a few Premier League games as well before that. And Pep's been speaking of his importance to the side, how he links up with Bernardo and Grealish on the left when he plays there. And Zinchenko hasn't really been playing very well. So Zinchenko was at fault for some of the goals that Leipzig scored in the Champions League. I think he's picked up an injury as well. Right. And now, the reason this is under the radar discussion and not a shopping list discussion is because City have Chelsea away and Liverpool away in the next two, and sandwiched in between is PSG away. So it's probably not the time to be jumping on a City player. But after that, once you get past the Liverpool fixture, they've got Burnley at home, Brighton away, Palace at home. Ooh. And, you know, for a defence that is is, is has conceded, like, one goal in five Premier yeah. League games, <laughs> that Burnley-Brighton-Palace run is going to be surely a, a great set of returns for, for a defender. So I think... Might not be one for straight away, but definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't know. Any any nailed player in a Liverpool, Chelsea or City setup at the moment are almost the holy grail of FPL assets, aren't they? Yeah. And if you can get a defender with attacking returns who, you know, like you said, uh, City's defence seems better than anyone else's at the moment, that that really is the... That's the Mona Lisa of, of FBI assets. I know, obviously, like, as a fan, it was a disappointing result against Southampton. But if you were just, like, a, a, an FBL manager and you had Ruben Diaz, for example, 
you'd be loving the fact that he got eight points against yeah. Southampton yeah. because you know in a low low scoring game like that or like the one nil win against Leicester in the week before, it's the defenders that are mopping up the bonus yeah. and. If you can pick one that's got a bit of a threat going forward as well, like Cancelo, or to a lesser extent, Diaz from corners, they're great. And that actually takes me on to the second pick, which is Van Dijk. Ah. So do you think he's back to his best? Oh, I think it's too early to say. I really don't know. But Liverpool's defence is Liverpool's defense is definitely better with him in it yeah. at the moment. So I think even if he isn't, the aura that he brings with him, yeah, is good is good enough to make our whole defensive unit better. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Liverpool's defense looks much more solid this season. And whether Van Dijk personally is at his physical peak, like you're just saying, his like kind of charisma is clearly having an impact on the side. And no one's talking about him as a, a fantasy option, but he is looking a real threat. You know, not just in terms of like getting clean sheets, but also really? uh, getting chances. Just to you know, relay the, the bread and butter of what you want from a defender, Liverpool are uh, also a defensive beast at the moment. They've also got four clean sheets in five games, only four big chances conceded, as mentioned, in that time. Um, but I do think that Van Dijk's due a goal. So no defender, not even Alonso has had more touches in their opponent's penalty area than Van Dijk, so he's just getting on the end of everything every time he goes up. Wow. And only legend in the making, Duffy, (laughs) (laughs) um, has had more shots at goal than Van Dijk out of all the defenders in the league so far. Um, And as with Duffy, what we're seeing when defenders are getting on the end of these uh, crosses is that, yes, they're often trying to head towards goal, but what happens when that header is deflected or saved, like parried by the keeper, is that that ends up as a, an assist mm. if, if someone can put it in. And that's what happened this week when Van Dijk got on the end of a corner for Liverpool and it ended up with Salah, who just then like, hammered it in, which meant Van Dijk got an assist this week. So the question I was going to ask, we were talking about the Chelsea double-up. Would you consider a Liverpool double-up? I mean, it's probably difficult for you if you've got the big three that we've been talking about quite a lot, but... Do you think, in general, it's a it would be a good option going forward having Trent and Van Dijk? Yeah, it's not it's not a bad shout. You know, we often get like enamoured with, especially the mid priced mids. They've got more of a chance of scoring. But like you're saying, if the team keep if whatever team keeps clean sheet more often than not, they, the defenders get the bonus points. Six points for a goal. You know, he, yeah. All of Liverpool's goal at the weekends were from corners. Um, I didn't realise. I saw a stat that Liverpool have scored the most goals from corners since the start of last season. Oh, wow. Which And it was head and shoulders above the last one. I think that it was, was without Matt Van Dijk yeah, last week. Exactly, last yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's, there's more to come from in that respect, isn't there? Yeah, that's, that's convinced me even more. I think he's a great shout, and he is one of those that will go under the radar because of Trent. Yes. Um, and I yeah. think a lot of people will just think, if I've spent so much on Trent, I'm not going to spend... 6.5 on getting another Liverpool defender but I think he offers like a, a completely different threat but will still produce a lot of points. I think the 6.5 is lingering. Would you rather add a million and get Trent or minus a million and get Shaw or Alonso? Yeah, I reckon we'll have a chat about Shaw at some point because I think that United have been quite sloppy defensively yeah, and, I, and, and whereas I've I got a bit of egg on my face taking a hit this week to get out players who did well like Tony Moving forward, I'm not going to lose any sleep that I haven't got Shaw. I think he's great going forward. Okay. He's putting in a lot of crosses, and I'm sure that will result in assists. But 
I just think United have just looked a bit ropey at yeah, the back. Yeah. And when you've got players like Diaz, Van Dijk and the Chelsea boys we've already talked about, I just think there are better options. And, yeah, I would definitely be thinking about getting some of these expensive defenders as soon as the fixtures turn. Someone who I probably won't think of getting just yet is my oh, definitely like like if if those two were under the radar, this yeah. is this is like you know profoundly depths of the ocean <laughs> kind of like one of those little like fish that are translucent because they don't see any sunlight. The blobfish, yeah, this is the blobfish of all bits. <laughs> this is the blobfish, and it's El- Elianusi. Oh, I'm sure he's going to love being called being, <laughs> being called a blobfish, isn't he? I don't even know what team he plays for, Tom. So, Enlighten me. He is a five point five million pound midfielder for Southampton who seems to be turning a bit of a corner with a couple of impressive displays against West Ham and against City this weekend and El Yunusi's been at the heart of that so he's been playing full 90 minutes in the last three games the first of which included a goal and a bonus point against Newcastle and this is the real reason why he's kind of been picked up by my sort of submarine of uh, stat seeking is out of all the midfielders who have started regularly, only our favourite, uh, Conor Gallagher, has a higher expected goal involvement per minute. So wow. if Southampton score, he's just really likely to be involved. Um, so this is a metric which adds together expected goals and expected assists. And he's higher on that list than people like KDB, Bruno, wow. Salah. Like, he doesn't pop up on many people's radar because Southampton haven't scored in the past two games but they were really tricky games right they played Man City away and then obviously West Ham before that who you know they also drew with nil-nil um but West Ham I would put in that top six bracket now that's a really tricky fixture to play yeah so they've got Wolves at home next who you know are baffling all the mathematicians by defying stats and (laughs) being really bad and so, you know, the, once Southampton might get a bit of a, a, a turn in, in the fixture list, which I think comes after they play Chelsea away in week seven, after that they've got a bit of a sea of green. I think, you know, he could start popping up in people's teams because he looks like he's going to be on the end of a lot of chances. So, I think that's mad. It's just like we've, we've said in the past, it's not just how you play, it's who you play. And, you know, you can look at players who have just hauled they might have been playing, I don't know, the, the whipping sides of this season, like your Newcastles or your Norwiches. But the fact that they've played some pretty difficult uh, teams and he's still up there on the stats, that's really impressive. I think Hassan Hull's a, a, a canny manager, isn't he? Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. He, he always finds a way to, even when they've been beaten 9-0, uh, which happened to like each of the last two seasons, um, he finds a way to sort of turn that to the team's advantage yeah. and set them off on on a run of, of of really like strong performances and results. I think this isn't the first time they've had big players leave. You know, so this season it's probably a bit more obvious in the fact that the best goal scorer Danny Ings left and the best defender Vestergaard left, and you know that's a real challenge for any yeah. manager. But he, he really seems to have a knack of pulling his team together and giving them a real sense of like togetherness and and I think it wouldn't surprise me if they went on a bit of a run so yeah probably not one he's a blobfish (laughs) (laughs) but but at some point he might begin to sort of surface who knows (laughs) 
I mean, I, I can't tell if Southampton are the, are the Jason Punchin of the footballing world. You know, when you watch Match of the Day and you think, wow, Jason Punchin's the best footballer <laughs> ever because his highlights are great. Yeah. And I was watching Southampton Match of the Day and I was like, they were really, really in the game against City. Oh, yeah. You know, they had a fair few chances, but I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you if it's just because they boiled, boiled the game down to, to one and a half minutes. Um, well, I, I think they were definitely worth... The point, and obviously a lot of people say they were unlucky because of the debacle around the Walker yeah. uh, thing. I think the main takeaway was they contained, they sort of neutralised City. So uh, City only had one shot on target in that game. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking forward this week and thinking, you know, Livramento, who so many people have got in as like a... Um, bench fodder. Bench, exactly. Like, I'm looking at his game against Wolves, who can't hit a barn door with a banjo, <laughs> uh, and just thinking, he's, like, first on my team sheet this week. Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> so, yeah, I think Southampton have got a lot of value. I think they'll they'll offer some, some bargains moving forward. But perhaps not on the shopping... Not heading... Not headlining the okay. shopping list this right. week. So who we got? Um, well, someone who's already in your team, so he won't be on your shopping list, but it's Damari Gray. Mm-hmm. He looked great again, and I felt like I got lucky with the fact that you know quite a lot of people have got him and uh, they didn't benefit from it this week. And I think that was more to do with the fact that Everton had Calvert-Lewin out, yeah. Richarlison out, and Pickford out. So they were all a bit like at sea against Villa. When did Rondon sign for Everton? <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that either. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, Benitez pulling these like old boys out of the bag, like Townsend. <laughs> they were obviously depleted in that game but they've got Norwich up next and as we'll talk about a bit more with the next person on the shopping list which is uh, Saar who had a cracking game against Norwich you know Norwich are just established now as whipping boys I think I mean there, there was a point where I was looking at the game against Watford and as a fixture and thinking this might help us understand, like you know, who really is the whipping boy this year? Because you know, you you, you would think of getting a Watford player in for that game, but mm. it's probably a hard game for them as well. You know, they're not yeah. a, a great side. Um, but I just think, you know, we've talked about it before. Norwich have had some of the best players taken out of that side going into the promotion, and so now they're a worse team than they were when they were in the Championship, but they're in the Premier League and. Yeah, if you can get a player who's playing against them, get them in. And Damari Gray is playing against them, and he's looking really good. So uh, I think, you know, he's still only 5.7, is he? Yeah, 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 really cheap. So he's still great value. Were, do you, if you were looking for an Everton player to bring in this week, would you definitely go for Gray? Or do you think, have you seen anything in Decore or Townsend that you think could persuade you to Not go? Not at all. In fact, I was <clears throat> almost debating getting rid of Gray. Not just because he's had he's had one bad week, so you know, classic knee jerk him out, but because um, like the rest of the team, like you were saying, has got worse around him. So I was a little bit concerned for the team more than him. But like you say, perhaps that makes him a stronger FPL asset. Yeah, and Norwich. You can't get rid of someone before they play Norwich, can you? Yeah, exactly. I I mean, he's a wild card pick for captain this week. Right. I mean, yeah. I just think Norwich are so bad, and Gray's got a lot of confidence that. You know, he's a great pick this week. As is Saar. I can tell you for a fact now, Saar will score a lot this weekend because 
Number one, he's not in my team. And number two, I'm going to the game. Ah, you're going to the game. So it means I will not enjoy the game because I'll be watching someone else rack up loads of points. Well, we were talking about the whipping boys that Watford played yeah. last week. I mean, Newcastle are right up there at the moment as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just the stats tables that just show that. Like, they've just conceded, like, so many chances week on week. It's just helter skelter football with them at the moment as well. It's 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 like, you know, sometimes like Norwich are a bit of a dejected whipping boy who just kind of, you know, roll over and let them tickle the tummy kind of. Mm. Which is an old phrase that Mick McCarthy used to use about when he took his team, which I think he was managing Wolves at the time to, to Old Trafford. He was like, "Oh, we just rolled over and got our bellies tickled." That's what he used to say. He used to really annoy me because I was like, "You could not do that, like yeah, Old Trafford. Yeah. Like you could try and." Yeah. Like, be solid, but um, I think his point was that he just didn't have the personnel to put up a fight mm. against an opponent like that, and I just think that's Norwich. Whereas Newcastle, I think they're just more like it's almost like a kind of Keegan style football. You know, when Keegan was in charge of Newcastle and he was in charge of City when I was a kid as well, and it's just hell to scale of football. They have like really exciting t- attackers, but really clueless defenders. Yeah, <laughs> are you tempted to bring Sar in? I wish I'd... He's my one regret for my wild card, but I think I've missed the points now. He is similar to Alonso, but less surprisingly, basically playing second striker as well, isn't he? He was way further forward than Dennis at times at the the weekend. Um, Yeah. And his goal was very well taken, I thought. He has got that ability, hasn't he? He's like, you know, one of those players like Greenwood or or someone who can just whip the ball into the far corner Mm. quite well. You know, he's able to cut back really really effectively and find the space to get off a really good shot so I'm considering him I really am because I think you know Newcastle next as we've already mentioned and then he's got Leeds after that which are also a shambles at the back really are, um, yeah. so they're two really tasty fixtures for someone who you know likes to run into space like Newcastle we've already mentioned Leeds are also one of those teams who just uh, are so open at the back, but also really attacking. So yeah. it just turns into a really helter skelter game. Speaking of which, <laughs> <laughs> just seen your next pick. <laughs> yeah. I've talked Newcastle down in terms of the defence, but their attack, in particular, Sam Maximan, just is so exciting, right? The problem with Sam Maximan the last couple of seasons was that he was kind of like Traore in the sense that he was so exciting when he was taking players on but then didn't quite have the end product. Mm. Do you think he's gone up a level now? Uh, I mean, he's made a glass. That's the thing that always, you know, there's a massive cloud over him because of that. He's a £50 million player in a in a naught million pound, <laughs> in a £2 million team, I'd say. He's just obviously head and shoulders above everyone else around him, isn't he? Yeah. So as, as long as the, they can get the ball to him, then I think he's going to continue scoring. Yeah, he's just. Um, I, do, I do think that he he's kind of changed a li- his game up a little bit. Like I remember, he came up in one of our previous pods when we were talking about the highest number of chances created by strikers, and he was really far up there. Mm. And I think for the first few weeks, that was his role. He was like, you know, really tricky, nipping past someone, so that then he could fire across into uh, Callum Wilson. But now, without Wilson there, who really is made of glass, <laughs> then he's taken on a bit more of the responsibility for getting shots away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he had a lot of shots against Leeds. Now, 
we've already talked about them being a bit, you know, of a shambles at the back, so he probably won't get that much joy every week. But, you know, Watford's not a difficult, not the most difficult game for him coming up. Um, then Wolves, and then uh, Spurs, <laughs> who on paper, you know, yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. a bad fixture, but really, like, at home to Spurs, I can imagine Sam Maximan having joy there as well. Yeah, fair. All very, very good points, Tom. Did you want to also mention Ronaldo? He's had three games for United now, right? Two Premier League games and one Champions League one. So how how are you thinking about him now? Has he completely fit into where you expected him to be or not? He's just he. It's so risky to not have him now, isn't it? He should have had. He probably should have had one, maybe two penalties against West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you at home who can't see us, Tom just did the diving motion with his hands. I, I don't know. Yes, dives, but yes, contact. It's one of those. Do you remember that rant Gary Neville went on a couple of years ago about Suarez, sort of saying, "Was it a dive? Yes. Was it a penalty? Yes." Mm. And I've seen. I've only ever seen one penalty given, and that was in a Liverpool game where. Gerard was quite clearly fouled, but he didn't didn't go down. The defender was just all over him, and the ref didn't. He just he just blew for it because he was like, "Well, look, we, we shouldn't encourage these people going to ground." But that ever since then, yeah, that's been definitely nothing, the so. exception to the rule. Like, yeah. I've seen it so many times where players just stumble, try and stay on the feet, and then just get punished as a result. Yeah, yeah. It happened again this weekend. That Wolves game against Brentford. Is it Marcel? Oh yeah, Marcel was all over Tony for for both of those corners. And he, you know, it could have been blown up for either one. Yeah. It would have just carried on otherwise. It just seems mad. You, you really have to make a play of it. And I think Ronaldo, he's very clever at it. You know, he yes, he is diving, but it doesn't mean there weren't penalties. And I think he's obviously going to be on penalties. I think now that he wouldn't play for them if he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. um, and he, everything exactly like you've been saying for weeks. Everything goes through him. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's no denying that, and whether it's at the detriment of the team, it, it seemed to be at the weekend, in fact, a lot of the time. He's got to be a hug. He's got to yeah. be a hug. I think it's almost like we had this debate um, when he first arrived, and we tried to make it a kind of two-sided me versus you. But in the end, all I could really argue against him was that, yes, he probably will score, but he might have a detrimental impact on United as a team and therefore only really score in games where they would have scored anyway. Mm-hmm. And you, I think, put a convincing case that, you know, he's scored everywhere he's been and there's no evidence to suggest that he's not going to continue doing that. And in a way, I guess, I wasn't complete... I haven't been proved completely wrong. I think, you know, he, especially in the Young Boys game, you know, he was kind of a bit detrimental, just hanging around up there not really offering anything other than a focal point when they had the ball, because he can't even really hold the ball up. But all of this is kind of just academic for us as fantasy managers, and the really important point is the one you've already said, which is that he just hoovers up United's points. Yeah. I think, you know, he's, a lot. I've, what I have noticed is that a lot of United's other attackers have now been, on average, further away from the goal, whereas Ronaldo is just... You know, his average position is just in the six-yard box almost. <laughs> all of his shots, nearly all of his shots are from inside the box. And now you're starting to see that Bruno, a lot of his shots are outside the box, mm. whereas he would last season have been getting into those areas. Greenwood might have been getting into those areas. Now there's already someone in there, so they're aiming for him. And, yeah, because of that, you know, if United score, it's just going to be through Ronaldo. And I think 
Um, as someone who doesn't own him, you know, this week just gone, it wasn't too scary because I knew that West Ham was going to be a bit of a tricky game, whereas you know some of the alternatives like Salah and Lukaku had equal, if not better, games. Mm. Whereas this week, it's, I'm going to have to really hide behind the sofa when he plays Villa because Lukaku's playing against City. Salah, who we're going to come to talk about in a minute when we talk about who's the best captain option this week, is playing Brentford, but I think they're quite a solid team. So, yeah, it's looking like Ronaldo is on the shopping list for those who still don't have him because he's just fitting that mould of a, a, just a brilliant fantasy player because he just takes penalties, he's just on the end of every chance. Like, it's really hard to ignore him. I think when a player verges on 50% ownership as well... It's almost a differential to not own them. You almost feel like you have to get them just so you don't miss out on whatever hauls they might get, even if there aren't any. You just it's it's too risky to not. It's really frustrating though because it was like this with Bruno last last season and Salah is that you don't get any joy when you captain them yeah, yeah, because yeah. everyone else has. Yeah. So there might even be weeks where you have Ronaldo in your team, but you also have Salah and you've decided to captain Salah. Mm-hmm. And you don't want Ronaldo to get anything. Even though he's a player in your team, you don't want him to get any points because you know that other people have captained him, so they'll get double. And so you've got a player in your team that unless you're captain, you're not even cheering on. Yeah. Which, and even when you do captain, you still don't really cheer him on. So it does... I've never really liked those players who become so highly owned, but... Yeah. You know, there's a reason that they're so highly on. Yeah, I would also say his fixtures after the Villa game. I mean, Everton and Leicester, fine, although they're still sort of touted as difficult fixtures but then you've got Liverpool, Spurs, City which I wouldn't and then sorry Watford, Chelsea after that mm-hmm. I wouldn't say he's not going to get points in that in, in those games but I can see why you might favour Lukaku for the time being Yeah definitely I think that is the the case against him which is this week aside I think if this week you've got Ronaldo you're captain him um, but after that you know, you can look at Lukaku uh, or Salah as having better fixtures pretty much every week mm. than than Ronaldo. Um, it gets to the point where if you're not going to captain him and you've got someone else who... Or, or maybe one or two other players who you can spend spread the money around to, people like your Bamfords or your Antonios or um, Calvert-Lewin when he's back. Like, these are players who can still pop up with goals. You might not captain them, but they'll probably pop up with goals now and again. And so, you know, you kind of... Like this week, for example, Ronaldo got six points. Mm. You'd expect that from someone like Bamford or Antonio. Yeah, yeah. And and so if you're not really captaining Ronaldo, you can kind of maybe cover it with some of these other players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you mentioned the bad fixture run. There's a point. I'll try and find it. I think it might be game week 14 onwards. We're looking quite far ahead into the future now, but... It gets, I think, 14, they play Arsenal. And after that, they've got Palace, Norwich, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves, Villa, West Ham, Burnley, Southampton and Leeds. And then Watford. I mean, you, you have to have Ronaldo. <laughs> there's, 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 there's just one, once you get to game week 14, if you don't get Ronaldo, you, 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 you can say goodbye to any of your mini-league hopes. Yeah, that no, that week, so from that week onwards, if you... Even wild card to get him in because <laughs> he's going to be everyone's captain and he's going to score every week. <laughs> but for now, I think there's still a case for like okay. juggling the the resources you've got. So you've got him. Are you going to captain him this week as we transition into who's your captain? Nice. 
Yes, currently, yes. Uh, I think, again, fool me once, Salah. <laughs> shame on, shame on you. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again. But Brentford have looked good, right? Is that, is this, that the phrase? <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I won't do it again. <laughs> can't get fooled again. Have you not heard that? I've, I've, and then when George Bush can't remember the oh phrase. Oh my God, is that what he said? Yeah, he goes, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, and he can't remember it. So he just That's goes, uh, can't get fooled again. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Slight turn. The um yeah, I just don't Salah, Brentford, talk to me, Tom. Brentford are good, right? I'm not going mad. Yeah, they are good, yeah. So there's the because because I'm also considering Antonio for this reason, and it's because, you know, Leeds are a bit of a shambles, whereas Brentford are posting really good defensive stats. I mean, for expected goals conceded Brentford are right down there um, with, like, you know, your Cities, your Chelsea's. Have they played anyone difficult? See, that's that's the caveat. Well, just just to finish that point, Brentford are actually second bottom. Oh, wow. Only only City have got a lower expected goals conceded than Brentford. Okay. So, yes, they've had a kind opening run of fixtures, but, you know... They've they've really been tight in those in those games. So they've played Arsenal, Palace, Villa, Brighton, and Wolves. You know, it's not the complete like dross of the Premier League, but you know, you, you, Palace have been scoring. You know, Arsenal have got a, a very expensive forward line, even <laughs> though it doesn't often <laughs> produce Mis- misfiring. Villa, obviously. So you know, it has been quite kind, but. They're clearly like a really solid unit, mm. and they're playing at home where you know they've been quite strong. You know they've got the crowd on the on a, like really good atmosphere there, and that really showed and helped against Arsenal in the first opening game of the season, I think. So yeah, I mean I think it's like last week, right? Last week I said there was enough to see in the stats of Palace that to suggest to me they're not going to get battered. Okay. And I think it was quite telling that they just conceded three from set pieces. Yeah. You know, they, they ended up scoring, they ended up losing 3-0, but I think Vieira was right when to, to, to point at the set pieces and say, you know, what you can take that from that is, is a positive, which is that we contain Liverpool in open play yeah. and that, you know, set pieces are a different, you know, thing and, and that to contain Liverpool in open play is, 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 is pretty impressive uh, by itself. And... You know, I think the stats kind of suggested that Palace would pose a problem for, for Liverpool in that way. And I think the stats will also show that, you know, Liverpool won't have an easy game. Mm-hmm. Now, I still think they'll find a way because they're the best attacking side in the league at the moment. And I would expect them to win. So then the question just becomes, if Liverpool win 1 or 2 nil, you'd expect Salah to be involved in mm-hmm. at least one of them, probably get one of the goals, right? Do you think anyone else is going to win more than two? Do you think there's anyone who's more is more likely to score more than two? Ooh. And I think United probably in that category. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, mm, which is why I'm going to be hiding behind a sofa when <laughs> when they play. But uh, what do you think about this? I think West Ham might also be in that category. Yes, against, against Leeds. Leeds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Antonio as well, fresh fresh from a week off. Yeah, but. Probably put down the strawberry daiquiris and, you know, now ready to play again. He could he could run right against a, a very, very poor Leeds defence, couldn't he? Yeah. 
How? What were you saying earlier? Leeds defence is one of the. Am I making this up? The highest for shots conceded. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I think they've definitely got the third highest expected goals conceded. Wow. But I think when it comes to like shots that they've conceded like inside the box, which is usually the most telling of, of, of all because, you know, you concede in chances from close range. I mean, that's not a good stat. And they're the top of the table for that. Wow. So they're just letting in so many... Uh, chances. You've said it before, they just refuse to change, don't they, Leeds? They've got a system and it produces goals for them, but it, it makes them concede as well. So, yeah, you know what? You're winning me over here, Tom. Is that where your armband is currently on Antonio? It is, yeah. Um, we'll see how jerky my knees get. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think as it stands, like, Eileen's been playing centre-back for Leeds because Lorente's injured, we don't know when he's going to be back. Koch is injured, don't know when he's going to be back. And Strike is suspended until the Watford game. So he's going to be out of the West Ham game as well. Eileen, who's been playing centre-back and been doing a really bad job at it, <laughs> is also flagged, so he could be injured. Wow, OK. So, so then you're getting down to the point where they're having to bring in people no-one's heard of to play mm. at centre-back. And against a West Ham side, I think... They're in the top five as, a, as an attacking unit. They're just mm. really flowing, uh, free-flowing going forward. So he's got my armband at the moment. Do you think there are any other contenders? Any wild cards, anything like that? Uh, I, no, I really don't. I'm, I'm always in your hands for this section. I, I can tell you now I will not be going for Salah. I think it is a toss-up between Ronaldo and now Antonio for me. Like you say, you've got Lukaku down as well. Do you really think? I just can't see that at all. City have been so strong defensively, no? Yeah. Do you think this is bias on my part or insight? It's it's, it's a tricky. Yeah, no, no. Tell us the insight, and I'll I'll decide. <clears throat> okay. So in so up until this weekend, there'd been six games that City have played this season, including the Community Shield, and in three of those, Diaz played alongside Laporte, and those games conceded zero goals. In the other three games, Diaz played alongside Ake and City's conceded five goals in those three games. Okay. And it it's actually, like, pretty damning on the eye as well when you watch City play. So in the Community Shield, it was Ake who gave away the penalty course, for Inacho. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, in the Spurs game, it was Ake that Son was running against, yeah. uh, who just backed off, backed off, backed off and let Son score. And then in the Leipzig game, he just got dizzy with the way that they were passing around him. And Leipzig conceded three. I mean, scored three. I think it does have a detrimental impact on the team as a whole, which you can kind of like factor in as one of the reasons why City weren't so fluid against Southampton. But as we've already talked about, they were, you know, they were getting in behind against City Southampton on the weekend as well. And yeah, it does look like the Port and Stones are still going to be out. Wow. I'd hope one of them might make a. A rapid comeback, or even that Pep just puts Fernandinho there. But <laughs> I mean, Fernandinho didn't play very well against Southampton either. So again, even if he did, did do that, which would be a, a massive shock, I'd still fancy Lukaku to bully either of them. Mm. So suddenly you're looking at a, a manager in Tuchel who's got the best of Pep in each of the times that he's played against them. You're looking at a centre forward who is capable of bullying any defender, let alone one that was relegated with Bournemouth. Mm. It's a good time to play against City, really, yeah, and wow. oh. and so it might not be 
captain potential, like when you consider some of the others, but I, I can I can I've definitely see him scoring. Yeah, I won't take him out of my team. Like, I don't I don't feel good, bad for owning him this week now, Tom. Thank, thanks for that. <laughs> when when he gets me another two, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I can I definitely see where you're coming from. There is absolutely no way. There's no way I can captain someone against City. I just can't. But you know, if he if he gets if he gets me a goal, I won't maybe be the Vardy. Person. Vardy always scores against. He always finds a way. <laughs> um, he's like the, you know that list of players who've scored hat tricks against Pep Guardiola teams, right? And it's like Messi. Who else is up there? It's like someone like Lewandowski or something like that, right? And then Vardy. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's just insane. So you're not tempted, obviously. By some of the really out there picks like uh, Demari Gray or, or Saar against Newcastle, which you know we have to mention just because Norwich and Newcastle are the teams that are really throwing away so many chances to the opposition. I guess apart from that, the only ones that I've mentioned is if you wanted to go a different route into the Liverpool attack, which is the best attack in the league, I think you could go for Mane, who looks like he's getting into a good run of form, and one of the stats that backs that up is that. He's had more shots inside the box than anyone else this season. I love the shorthand for that. <laughs> Sib. <laughs> and then Jota, who, for owners like me, is a very frustrating player to have at the moment <laughs> because, you know, he had the highest expected goals against Palace when they won, when Liverpool won 3-0 and he wasn't involved in any of it. Um, the game before, Liverpool trashed Leeds. Jota looked brilliant again. Liverpool scored three goals again. Jota wasn't involved in any of it. <laughs> um, I mean, I've obviously put a curse on him, saying he's the best finisher in Liverpool's team. Yeah, they've um, scored six goals in two games. He hasn't been involved. Uh, okay, I'll take it all back. No, he's dreadful. He's really bad. And <laughs> you're welcome for the points this week. I mean, he's he's just he's been playing really well. It's not like like some people have been getting upset that Traore hasn't been delivering the goods. Mm. And without wanting to sound harsh, I just think, he why did has. you? Yeah. yeah, he never has. He never has. <laughs> Whereas there are some other players that I think, yeah, you've just been really unlucky there. Yeah. Um, and Jota is one of those. You know, he has been having the shots, he has been creating the chances, he is playing for a team that mm. are in form. You're just not quite getting on the end of it. I mean, he missed an pretty much an open goal from yeah. about three yards. Yeah. <laughs> so that's probably why he had the highest xG. <laughs> You could make an argument for, for, for going for one of the other Liverpool attackers if you wanted to. Just the way to round off this section okay, uh, would be to have a little review of the Knee Jerks League uh. and some of the people that took some maverick picks last week. Can we not mention the fact that I'm free-falling through it at the moment? <laughs> um. Yeah, you were, were you leader last week? I was. Yeah, yeah. you went top yeah. last week. Yeah. yeah, we were we were P1 and P3, I think, were we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now here, this is absolutely the Streisand effect. By not wanting to mention it, I've now made more of a thing of it. But yeah, who did well last week then? Well, Fields of Cascella has returned to the top of the league. Uh, congratulations! It's good to see a, f- a familiar name at the top again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And he finally got returns from some of the players that he stood by nice. through thin and thin. Like Christensen, who obviously was a no-show last week, and Ben White, who a lot of people started the season with, finally got well run out of patience with, but now he's got back-to-back clean sheets and a bonus point against Burnley as well. So yeah, he's reaping the rewards of patience there. Yeah, what what is he doing in a league of knee jerkers? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> facts, Ted. 
and average FM21 enjoyer. Nice. They've both climbed up to second and third place respectively as well. Similarly gaining from players that they've held for a long time who haven't delivered, like Pookie and Saar. So, you know, we mentioned Saar, but you know, Watford went for three games without scoring a goal before uh, the Norwich game. So I think most people would have been forgiven for shipping him for someone who was getting the goals, like Damari Gray. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he stood by him and uh, reaped rewards this week. Quite a few people have benefited from Saar this week, actually. Uh, VN Wolf in the hour. Oh, this time. you nailed it. Well done, Tom. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> um, so he stood by Saar, as did Haven't Jot a Clue. Which is probably up there for like one of the best team names in the league, maybe. That's really good. That that feels quite original, although it might not be. Um, <laughs> that, I really like that. A lot of time for that. And then the Brentford duo of Tony and Mbuemo, uh both finally came through for Middleton FC and Rubber Dinghy Rovers, respectively. So they've, again, stood by a couple of attackers who haven't been delivering the goods and then reaped the rewards this week, which... Obviously, I didn't because I sold Tony. For a hit as well, wasn't it, Tom? You know what, as well? I was listening to Totally Football Show on the way here. They mentioned England caps. You know, they're really talking up Tony now. Wow. Like, I mean... I mean, that's the knee jerk. What a turnaround, <laughs> yeah. Like, that. I was thinking I had to get him out of my team so much so that it was worth taking a, a points hit for. He just wasn't delivering the goods. Brentford mm-hmm. weren't looking like an attacking force and the fixtures were on the turn. Wolves are a really solid defence. Lo and behold, absolutely bullies uh, Wolves. Got a goal and assist. Should have had more. I think yeah. you said he had a goal disallowed. Two goals disallowed. Two goals yeah, yeah. disallowed. <laughs> and then we can't finish off the roundup without mentioning the highest scorer in the league this week, which was Biscuits, who got a score of 70. Again, there's lots of familiar names. I like this. Yeah. It's good. It's becoming a community term. Yeah, I think it is. Does that mean what I think it means? It sure does. <laughs> Redemption time. It's time for the quiz. Yes, here we go. How are you feeling this week? Uh, I need to get comfortable. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I think it's the first time I felt nervous. How's my pillow? Plump the pillows. Got to look my best for getting 100% on the quiz. <laughs> we To to um, to preface this, is that the correct word? Me and Tom were... We, we participated in a different kind of quiz at the weekend, uh, which was good fun. So I've been practicing not necessarily sweating up on my football knowledge it was more films and <laughs> sizes sizes <laughs> yes. smaller or taller or yeah which was great fun but i think i think that's going to put me in good stead for this one you're a really good quiz master actually which uh maybe um, christmas that... special yeah, yeah we'll you th- could turn the tables in the pod we'll flip it so question one salah has had the highest number of shots on target so far this season, which is unsurprising. But who's second on the list? Is it A, Demai Gray, B, Ismaili Saar, C, Diogo Jota, or D, Saeed Benrahma? Oh, that's a great question. I'm going to count out Gray because I feel like he was scoring every shot he had on target. Correct. Which was quite low. So that's so I think I'm one out of three here. Let's get rid of Jota because he hasn't he hasn't played every game. So we, uh, let's go Ben Rama. We haven't really talked about him yet. Oh, you're so close. Ah, uh, go on then. Um, it, it, the the process of deduction was flawless, <laughs> but yeah, the answer's actually Saw. Okay. So Salah has eleven shots on target so far. Saw has nine. Wow. Okay. Um, a lot of them came against Norwich. Okay. Um, 
but as we've talked about, the fixtures that are coming up are also pretty good. Mm. So he's getting shots away. Antonio's third with eight, and then it's Manny and Bruno who've got seven. Oh, so Ben Mama's not in up there. No, but Saar's in great company there, isn't he? Among yeah. people like Salah and Bruno and Manny. Is it is a great option. You might not have missed the boat, maybe, if you bring if someone brings him in this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoke this third time we've mentioned him, so that's only a good sign, I reckon. Yeah. Okay. Um not for one. <laughs> <laughs> Familiar feeling sinking in. It was it was it was a really good process of deduction though. So um yeah, never mind. Question two. Liverpool have created the most chances as well this season. Okay. So there's another theme emerging here that they're the best attack, which uh, I think is also something to think about when we consider captaincy, perhaps. Um, so Liverpool have averaged a chance every 3.8 minutes. That can't be right. Once every four minutes? Yeah. A ch- it doesn't have to be clear-cut. No, no, just a just a chance to score a goal. Oh, okay. It's pretty amazing, though, isn't it? I mean, it? they have played Norwich, though, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but which team is the absolute pits, the opposite uh, of that, at the bottom of this metric, averaging a chance every 11 minutes? So how many would that be in a game? Like, seven or eight? That's yeah, a low amount of chances. Tr- okay, fair. Um, so is that Norwich, Watford, Leicester or Palace? Oh, okay. So I would not go Watford because I feel like they've scored quite a lot. I don't want to go Palace because I think they're doing better than we think. So process of elimination again. Leicester are doing really badly. They are. They really are. But surely Norwich are doing worse. I'm going for Norwich. Oh no! <laughs> the process. <laughs> the process was perfect again. <laughs> Um, so you were right all the way up until the end again. But it is Leicester. Wow, the they're doing that, that poorly. It's it's crazy, isn't it? So Leicester, um, just to finish that, um, you know, have averaged a chance every eleven minutes, as we've just mentioned. That's really bad. So Brentford and Spurs are second bottom on that metric, okay. averaging a chance every ten point three, and then it's Watford uh, on nine point five, and then Norwich and Palace, they're both on nine point three. Mm. So, yeah, Leicester are really poor at the moment. You know, we've mentioned them in previous weeks in terms of how high up they are on the chances conceded table, but they're right down at the bottom for chances created as well, which is uh, one reason why we're just not talking about them. So I think Leicester, like Spurs, who are also quite low on here, on this on this table, are teams to avoid at the moment, and it shows that while teams might be on bad form, like Newcastle and Leeds... I think they can still be creating chances and scoring goals. So players like St. Maximan and Rafinha are still good options because although Leeds and Newcastle are in pretty terrible form, they've still got stuff to offer going forward. Whereas yeah. Leicester, we're just not talking about, and Spurs really, yeah. we're not talking about either of them at all because they don't offer anything at the front or the back. It's the only shout out Leicester have got in this part. Oh, <laughs> no, it seems to be a good reason for that though. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah, it's not a great one so far. I mean, you, you, your logic has been flawless so far, but okay. just not... You like Traore. You're <laughs> 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 just not the end product. OK, that's fine. I'll take that, though. That's still a win in my books. So, question three. Uh, which of the teams that are facing this week's main captain choices have conceded the highest number of shots inside the box? So, I asked this question last week as well. And I think it could turn into a bit of a regular question, so you can highlight who are the worst defences that our captain choices are facing. Um, so this week it's Villa, who are playing against Ronaldo, uh, Brentford, who are playing against Salah, 
Leeds, who are playing against Antonio, or City, who are playing against Lukaku. So which of those teams has conceded uh, the highest number of shots inside the box? It can't be City. It Brentford, I think you mentioned earlier, were actually quite high up in that list. And also, if it is Brentford, then you're just subconsciously trying to get me to Captain Salah in this <laughs> quiz. Villa or Leeds? Here we go. 50-50, once again. It's Leeds. It is Leeds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So no team in the league has conceded more shots inside the box than Leeds. Yeah. They're just like conceding so many at the moment. All of the others uh, on this list are actually quite solid defences. So Villa are 13th on this metric uh, in the league. Oh, OK. Um, so quite solid. They, they've... So if you think Leeds have conceded 62 shots inside the box, Villa have only conceded 36. So it's like it's half as many yeah, yeah. almost. Which is actually the same number as Liverpool. Wow, OK. <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Brentford are, are 17th on this list, so they're really low down in wow. terms of shots conceded. They've conceded only 30, and City are the tightest defence so far. They've conceded only 19 shots inside the box. So... Here's the case for Antonio over uh, Ronaldo or Salah. You know, he's playing the leakiest defence. Absolutely. Continuing maybe on that theme. Uh, of all the strikers to play more than a full game, who has had the highest number of chances per minute? Don't be swayed by what I've just said. OK. Um, but Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. So, of all the strikers to play more than a full game, who has had the highest number of chances per minute? Is it... Antonio, Ronaldo, Lukaku or Calvert-Lewin? Chances per minute. Ooh, but I want to be swayed by what you've just said. Um, let's go Lukaku. Ooh, outside choice. It isn't Lukaku. OK. The answer is Ronaldo. OK. So, Ronaldo has had a chance every 13.8 minutes, which is almost the same amount of chances per minute as Leicester <laughs> creating as an entire team. <laughs> It's that's just mad. insane. That is mad. So that's every 13.8 minutes. The second highest is Antonio with 19.8 minutes. OK. So that's still amazing, Antonio, but it shows how off the chart Ronaldo is. Then Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, 22.5. Then Ollie Watkins. Wow, he's on... sneaking in there, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, on uh, 23.9. Has he just played Norwich or something? <laughs> no, I mean, I guess Everton were a bit... Uh, of a shambles against them but he has looked pretty good he, he got yeah. into a lot of good positions against Chelsea mm. and um, it's quite encouraging that he's playing two up top isn't it because I thought he was going to left out on the wing after Ings got signed but no it's nice nice to see they're going with two up top yeah I think at some point when Villa's fixtures turn again he might be someone we come back to okay. and then it is Lukaku who's still really high up in the list overall I've got to say but for this particular set of players he actually has the um, lowest number of chances per minute, which is 24. So it's, you know, Ronaldo's getting a almost chances at almost twice the rate that Lukaku yeah, is, which, which is crazy. Yeah. That really is. I really enjoyed you saying that outside choice was Lukaku, which is just <laughs> a really polite way of saying you're very wrong. 
<laughs> I mean, they've all. They're, I mean, they're all right up there. Okay. Um, okay. So I mean. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's not like I picked a defender or something, but you know. <laughs> no, I mean, the, like if you look at the the list of highest number per minute, the, these these are in the top five. Okay. And Watkins is the only one who's not there. So I got one out of five last week. I think I'm now one <laughs> yeah. out of four. So let's go for progress. We don't need to win. We just need progress. Okay, so here we go. Which team recorded the highest expected goals this weekend? That's the chances that you're expected to score, really good chances. Was it City against Southampton? Liverpool against Palace? United against West Ham? Or Watford against Norwich? Ooh, can't be, again, can't be City. Had one shot on target, like you mentioned, and it was in the 90th minute. Although, had I read those options before the weekend... I would have thought they would definitely be in the chance. We're not going to pick Liverpool or United because they both seem like obvious choices. I'm going Watford. Ding, ding, ding. It is Watford. There it is. Yeah, so Watford uh, against Norwich had an expected goals of 2.46. Liverpool were second on 2.29, then Chelsea on 2.26. United were fifth in that list Okay. Um, on 1.96, and City were way down in 14th place on only 0.97. Oh, that's a difficult read. For yeah. a City fan, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> you can't be enjoying your job at the moment, Tom. <laughs> and I think, given Watford a third bottom on this metric when you like look at it for the whole of the season, we shouldn't really get overly excited about them and players like Saar because the clear message coming from this is just how bad Norwich are. Yeah. That in one game, Watford... Like had so many chances that they're now up there yeah, uh, wow. with, with some of the big boys for chances created. So I think, yeah, if, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin was fit this week, for example, I think he'd be a, a great captain shout, shout against uh, against Norwich. So yeah, perhaps we shouldn't get carried away with Watford's performance, but I do think Saar's shown enough as an individual uh, that he is going to be their main outlet. And he seems to have a good relationship with Dennis as well, doesn't he, at the moment? Yeah, he really does. So yeah, two out of five. Thank Not you. Bad. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Two out of five is a win for me. And to be uh, honest, in the other three, you got it down to the final two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good result, really. But, you know, it's like the runners-up medal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it, if you don't win, it, it's still a loss. For me, it's progress. So we'll, we'll sit on that for next week, Tom. And hopefully, encouraging signs, just like this weekend for me. I'm, <laughs> last week, I, you convinced me my team looked good and... Come Friday night, I was actually quietly confident, I think. But I'm going to be confident all week now. My team's looking strong. I've got two free transfers I don't know what to do with. No ideas for this the two transfers? None at all. No, no, no. But again, like we said before, I'm, I'm down a bit of a... put myself down an alley in the sense that I can only get rid of the, the people who I think are going to, going to score the most points now. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm thinking that I might be losing patience with... Jackie Grealish. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a shame. shame. Yeah. Yeah. He's still up there for some of the metrics, like chances created. And, you know, if you saw the highlights of the game against Southampton, he was in the box putting decent crosses in. But he doesn't like he's going to be on the end of anything. So with Chelsea up next and then Liverpool away after that, and the threat of rotation always lurking for, for a City player, he's 8 million... And when you consider that people like Damari Gray and, and, and Ismail Saar have got better fixtures and better form, mm-hmm. it feels like I might be able to just take that 
cow to market <laughs> and uh, sell. <laughs> you would also have the benefit of watching the 3 p.m. kickoffs, knowing that every SAR goal that ripples in the back of the, <laughs> the back of the net is ki- killing me slightly, or I'll have to be celebrating at the time. Um, yeah, I'll find some gifts of SAR. You know, there are always those like gifts where. They're asked to do for like Sky Sports, where they do some like silly like hand waving celebration. Yeah, I'll find some of them that I can send every time he scores. <laughs> just. <laughs> just as I leave the stadium. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe I'll get Sar in. But uh, I might have convinced you to go Antonio captain, perhaps. Yes, very much so. Definitely not Lukaku, but it's it's a toss up between Antonio and Ronaldo um, for sure this week. Where where are you putting the armband? Yeah, similar. I'm similarly going to be tossing, um, <laughs> but, but the, the people I'm going to be tossing over are Antonio and Salah. Nice. Okay. So Salah, just because he's just just Mister Reliable, isn't he? I think Liverpool will find a way to score against Brentford. It might not be a thrashing, but yeah. Well, that's it then. It's a good night from me. Good night from him.